you have your Bibles, please open them to 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, we're going to begin from the uh, 11th verse. When you have it, uh, say amen. 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 The word of God says, and they found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And where and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah. And upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing. Because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters. Hallelujah. Neither spoil nor anything that they had taken today. David recovered all. And I want to use those words for the title of this message, David Recovered All. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your presence, Lord, that we don't take lightly, Lord. We know that when your presence is in the house, Lord, you have a word for your people, oh God. I pray for those, Lord, that are listening, Lord, through a pre-recorded message, Lord. I pray that you will meet their need, that you would uh, answer every question, that you will settle every doubt, Lord. That we will properly, Lord, divide the word of truth, Lord, and, and cause no harm to your word. I'm asking, Lord, that you would anoint us today to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying, Lord. What it is that you're telling to your people in these prophetic times. And I would ask it all in the name of Jesus and God's people said amen. amen. And amen. We pick up the story in the life of David. There's no man like David in scriptures. He's an enigma. He's called the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart, but yet he's the same man that committed premeditated murder and blood is in his hands. He's experienced the highest highs that a man could ever experience. 
who would usher in and, and show the people of God what true worship really is. Amen. And he experienced the lowest of lows, running from cave to cave, from wilderness to wilderness, from hill to hill, being chased down like a dog by his father whom he served faithfully and he never did anything to hurt Saul. The Bible tells us in, 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 in this chapter that David is returning back home. He is sent back home by, by the, the son of the king of the Philistines, Achish. The Bible says that David joined himself with the Philistines and, 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 and he grew tired and weary of running for his life. For years he ran for his life and, 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 and he says, maybe if I join the Philistines and, and I could join them and fight with them, maybe I'll get a, a, a sense of rest. Maybe I'll get some, some solitude. Maybe I can get away from things. Maybe I can just relax. Maybe I can just eat and drink and have a family and not worry. Let me tell you something. Whenever you get settled with God, whenever you think you're settling God is going to shake your nest. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in this world that will satisfy you. You can search high and low. You can do this. You can do that. You can tend to your family and you, 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 want, you want to do this and you want to do that. But you will never find joy and true satisfaction until you are in the will of God. Hallelujah. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Jesus said when he was speaking to the woman by the well and, 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 and his disciples went to the, to the city to get some, some, some food to eat and, and they come back and, and Jesus is talking to the woman and, 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 the, and, and the disciples are puzzled. They're like, wait, has, they ask the question, has Jesus ate? Has anybody given him to eat? And Jesus answered this. He says, I have meat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of the Father. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Until you get in line with the will of God, until you come in line with God's calling in your life, you will never find rest. You will never find sleep. You will never find what you're seeking for. There will only be a void because God has chosen you and destined you as a, as a servant to do his will in such a time as this. Man, let me tell you something. I'm going I'm to be real with you. <laughs> I have issues sleeping. I can't sleep. I think I slept about eight hours, but the truth is when I wake up, I know I didn't really get a good night's rest. Some of the best sleep I ever had was when I've ministered the word of God and I knew God's presence was in the house and God's people were being fed. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? If you're a preacher in the house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You preach a tremendous, powerful sermon. You've done the will of your father. You can sit down in your couch and you can relax. And for a moment or for a day, you have peace of mind. You can go to sleep like a baby. Because you're doing the will of the Father. Let me tell you something, church. Now is not the time to relax. Now is not the time to do what we want to do. Jesus says, say not that it's fourth months until harvest. Lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for the harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe to be reaped right now. Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. He's, he comes home, 
and he finds his city burned. He finds his, his wives are taken away. His children are taken away. All his possessions are taken away. It can't get any worse than this. And the Bible says, I love David's heart. When he, when he doesn't have any answers, he does have but one. Amen. He says, give me the priest. The priest is a type of who? Of Jesus Christ. Whenever things get bad in your life, all you got to say is give me Jesus. No one else can satisfy the longing in your heart. No one else can give you answers to your dilemma. There's only one man that can, and he is our high priest, and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And isn't it amazing? That at your lowest point, at David's lowest point, I love this about Jesus because he is our heavenly David. At David's lowest point, he still has the opportunity and he's still willing to show grace and mercy to someone that is down for the count. No matter how bad the situation is going, God is preparing you for something. God is ready to bring some Egyptians our way. Everything that you're going through right now in your life is because there are, there is a young generation. The Bible says, the, the young man said, the Egyptian said, I am a young man. You will not recover all until you realize that the recovering of all things is tied in with the saving of souls that God has prepared for us. Until we realize those things, we will never live a fulfilled life. We will never fulfill God's purpose and destiny in our lives. I saw I was so happy last night when Sister Debbie called all the young people to the front. They are that young generation that has been forgotten, that has been left for dead by a fallen system, an establishment that is backslidden and is irrelevant in this very day and hour. How many know what I'm talking about? Say amen. You see it all around you. You meet them every day. You see them in your jobs, you see them in the marketplace, you have family members that have been hurt by religion. They're castaways, they're left for dead. They say that I'll never go back to that thing. And they won't. I wanna paint the picture here of what was taking place at this time. The Bible says that Israel was in a, in a war, it was an ongoing war with the Philistines, their oppressors. And Amalek, the Amalekites, took advantage of that situation and saw that Israel and the Philistines were at war and went ahead and attacked parts of Israel and parts of, of Philistine land. Now there's something prophetic here. If we can see with the eye of the Spirit, 
The Philistines represent the spirit of the age that is moving in this very hour. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 17, they had their champion called Goliath of Gath. He's a type of the Antichrist, that battle between David and Goliath in the valley of Elah. It's a picture of what's going to take place in the near future in the battle called Armageddon. But it's not just a picture of what's going to happen in the future. It's a picture, a picture of what's been happening before, from before the foundation of the earth. It's been an ongoing war that started before me and you were ever created. Sister Debbie touched on it in Revelation chapter 12 where we read that the Bible says that there was war in heaven. And Revelation chapter 12 is really giving you a breakdown of what has transpired throughout each generation where the, the spirit realm is literally spilling over into the natural realm and, 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 and it's all going to culminate in, 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 in that war called Armageddon here on earth. It's the story of the ages. The Bible says that the, the dragon was wroth against the woman. He was, he was, he was mad at the woman, and, and, and he went after the, rent, the seed of a remnant. And, 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 and that's a picture of what the enemy has been doing through the ages. Me and you have been targeted from the moment we come out of our mother's womb. Because, God, because the enemy knows that you have been chosen for such a time as this. When Jesus is born, things begin to move in the political realm too, so that that seed would not be born. But the Bible says that in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ was born and came to this earth. This is what's been taking place, and, and, and the Philistines is a type of that, that spirit of the age. And, 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 and we see it in, 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 in Goliath. Uh, uh, the Bible says that he was six cubits tall, right? The Bible says that the head of his, of, 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 his, uh, uh, of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. It, it mentions six different pieces, items in his armor. We see the number of six, six, six. You want to take it a step further? His brothers, his ugly brothers who were deformed, had six fingers and six toes, right? We see that the Philistines represent the spirit of the age. I was looking, it's funny because I was, I was looking at the dictionary at what the word Philistine means. It means to be contentious. <laughs> to be contentious against social values. Isn't that what's happening today in our world? Our values are being attacked. Now we're calling good evil. And evil good? This is the movement that is taking, that is, that is in, uh, 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 taking place all over the world. And it's so true that America is so asleep today. Christians in America are so asleep today. They cannot see what is really taking place around the world. As long as they're watching their Sunday night and, or, or, or Sunday morning football games and flipping their steaks, as long as what's happening in the world doesn't touch them, they're okay. But I'm here to tell you, it's going to come our way. Yesterday it was said, well, I, I, I don't know if, if things are going to change. I'm here to tell you, they're not going to change. 
They're not. We're seeing the judgments of God upon our nation today. We have no answers for the social issue of our day, homosexuality. We teeter around it. We don't want to answer it. We don't know how to deal with it. And, 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 and when it, even when it comes to the question of, of whether Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, they, they, they don't even give a straight answer to it. I'm talking about preachers. Hmm. Amazing, right, brother? The Bible says when Saul was king, that the Philistines removed all the blacksmiths from the land. The blacksmiths were the ones who would create the weapons for war. That's what this spirit is doing today. The spirit of the age is trying to remove God from everything. It's trying to remove God from all things in our society. The Bible says... Check this out, that in all of Israel, only Saul and Jonathan had swords. <laughs> the people were helpless. It's a picture of what's happening today. If they needed to grow some crops, they had to go to the Philistines to sharpen their tools. They had to pay a wage. They, excuse me, they had to pay to get their tools sharp, their sickles, their, 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 their axes or whatever it was to, to survive, to eat. Again, this is the spirit of the age. This is where it's moving. We're headed towards an economical reset into a power of, of, of nations reset. Things are happening at light speed before our very own eyes. Hmm. Understand this. Psalms 2 bears it out. The Bible says, the psalmist said, asks the question, why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing, a futile thing? It says, the kings of the earth have set themselves. <laughs> you think what's happening in our political arena today is just entertainment? These people are not stupid. They know exactly what they're doing. You know why? Because I believe what the Bible says. The Bible says they have set themselves to agree upon one thing. It says that the rulers of the earth have taken counsel to come against God <laughs> and his anointed one. Who is that? Jesus. It says, their, their cry, their, their cry is, let us break asunder the bands. Let us loosen ourselves from the ropes that hold us together. Let us break away from morality. Let us wake away, break away from the word of God. If, it's, if it wasn't for the word of God in this nation, and this nation was founded upon the word, if it wasn't for the word of God that keeps us in line, we would have gone headfirst into all-out sin, into all-out debauchery. That's the way we're going right now, church. That's the way our nation is going right now. They're saying, let us get away from God. Let us break away from God. Let us, let men marry men. Let women marry women. Let sons marry mothers. 
How many read those articles? <laughs> it's happening. Right? Democrats said, no, that would never happen, right? <laughs> they have set themselves in agreement. The kings of the world. It's amazing how, how our nation hates God and doesn't want to believe in him. It always, it always amazes me when I read the scripture in Revelation where it says, and they shall make war against the Lamb. Well, if they don't believe in him, why are they trying to make war against him? They believe in him. They just choose to reject him. That's who the Philistines were. Isn't it amazing? The only one that could have the Philistines under his feet was David. They were scared of David. The only one that knew how to deal with the situation was nowhere in the picture. Let me tell you something. God has his servants in this hour. And they know how to decipher. They know how to discern. They know how to interpret the times. Let me say something. My dad told me this. My daddy, man of God. He says, the men that know the times and the hours and these days, you're going to find them in prisons and with lions. <laughs> in the lion's den. I'm speaking of Joseph and Daniel. The men that know how to discern the times, you're going to find them in prisons and dungeons and hanging around with lions. They're there. But they're waiting. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Amalekites represent. They represent the spirit of the world disguised in religion. It is the things of the world that have been allowed in by preachers through their twisted doctrines, through saw-like ministries that did not deal with the issue when the prophet of God told him to. We are now seeing the devastation that these false doctrines have caused. I think it was Jeremiah that said, he spoke to the shepherds, he said, you don't feed the sheep. You let them, you scatter the sheep and now they're open prey for beasts to be devoured. That's what false doctrines are. Beasts who, are, who have devoured the body of Christ. Because ministers who are dealing with, who are the biggest, <laughs> let me tell you something, in the days of Jesus Christ, the biggest promoters of sin were the Pharisees. And they justify their sins by hiding behind their beautiful road, but inside they were full of dead men's bones, and they stunk. Saul did not deal with the Amalekites as Samuel 
had told them to. The Amalekites were giving issues to the, to the Israelites long before Saul was in, in leadership. From the moment that Israel left Egypt, the Bible says, then came Amalek. And the Lord told Moses to rehearse these things before the people. And Joshua tell them that they will forever be at war with Amalek from generation to generation to generation. False doctrines, what it is, it's, it's, it's doctrines of devils, beasts that have crept into the church, disguised in religion. We, 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 we read about in, in Revelation the woman that rides the beast. Hmm. This is where we're at in this very hour. We are seeing the same thing taking place today. Nobody is saying anything. As a matter of fact, some of us have grown tired of warning people and seen no change. Some of us have grown tired of coming to the house and coming to church and going out to preach and, 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 and delivering and preaching the, 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 the treasures of, that God has put into your heart. And when you look at the people, they're falling asleep. Isn't that amazing? That's what's happening in this hour. How many times we stood behind pulpits under the anointing of God? I remember Brother Wilkerson would say it this way. He says, there was times where I knew the presence of God was upon my life. And I would begin to declare the word of the Lord. And I look out into the people. And I see the young generation, young people playing with their hands, falling asleep, uh, unaware of the presence of God. We need men and women who know the presence of God in this hour. We need men and women like David that know how to strike the chords of the heart of God so that God can release mercy and grace. Sometimes it gets like that, brothers and sisters. You shared your heart, you shared the treasures, the revelation that God has given you, and you see no change. You see that it's having no effect, or so we think it's not. We get so discouraged, and we say, all right, Lord, where do I go next? I've been everywhere. I've gone here, I've gone there. You've taken me here. We've ministered under the anointing. We sense your presence, and we're just here. You know, I got people who I've done good to, they want to kill me. Amen. I've done nothing to them and they want to kill me. They hate me. I didn't ask for the presence of God. Can you imagine David? God plucked him out of the fields of his father's house. He didn't covet the positions like his brothers. He didn't desire it, but God put his anointing upon him. He saw a heart that was willing to confront the giant of the age, that, that was willing to destroy the enemies of God. 
who would teach the people and bring them into a true place. Yeah, he might have messed up a few times on his way there, but you know what? Sooner or later, he was going to get it right. So the best thing is, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to go join the Philistines. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? He goes to his own people and he asks for help. Right, Brother Stan? And came unto his own and his own received him not. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He has a bunch of men who are thieves and robbers and murderers. And now they're turning on him, right? They want to stone him. He goes to his own and and he asks for help and they say, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? You know, slaves escape their masters every, every time. For all I know, he's just another slave who's escaped. But then he goes to the enemy and they're like, Is this not David? Is this not the one whom they sang about? David is killed. Saul has killed his thousand, but David is 10,000. Isn't it amazing that the world could see God in you more than some Christians? And then the Christians around you, when they see that the people love you, they wonder why. That's the truth. <laughs> and David, he's done. He's done with it. <laughs> he, wants to, he was about to go to war and join the Philistines against God's people. And, and, and Akish says, no, sorry, man. I spoke to the fellas, the other leaders. They don't want you around. They said that there's a chance that you might turn on us during battle. So tell you what, just go home. Shoot out. Go relax, man. That's the worst thing you can say to a man of God. Because when that happens, God is going to begin to shake things up. Because he's destined for a crown. He's going to begin to, no, this is not where I want you. This is not where I want you. No, 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 no. You're called to something greater. <laughs> the, the, the man, this Philistine says, let me tell you something, David, before you go home. I want to tell you that ever since you, you came to me, you joined up with me, you've never did me any harm. You were always good to me. As a matter of fact, I trusted you so much that I made you my personal bodyguard. I'm sorry to do this to you, but you got to go back home. And he goes back home, the Bible tells us, and he comes to Ziklag. (laughs) And he sees, he sees the city burnt. He sees his wives are taken, his children are taken. He's lost it all. You ever been there? Or you just sit down and you say, I should have just stayed a real estate agent. (laughs) 
what in the world did I get into? I, I was fine driving the boys club van and driving the kids from one point to another. I was fine working at design cabinetry and, uh, you know, putting together cabinets for rich people. And I wasn't making a whole lot, but it's better than what I'm going through right now. I don't know what's going on. But he says, bring me the priest. Bring me the priest. I love David. He says, he asked the Lord, shall I pursue? That's all he's been doing. He's, that's all he's been doing his whole life. He just, he said, Lord, I, I, I didn't ask for anything. I just fell in love with you. I, I pursued your heart. I want to pursue after you. Shall I pursue? He's going through hell, and all of a sudden, they find a young man, an Egyptian. Hallelujah. They find this young man, and they bring him to David. Hallelujah. They bring him to David. The Bible tells us that he hadn't drank water or ate for three days and three nights. He was left forsaken by his masters, the Amalekites. This is prophetic of a generation that has been forsaken, that has been left to die because perhaps they don't fit the mold. Perhaps they come with baggage. Perhaps they come with issues. Perhaps they're dealing with things that, that nobody in the church knows how to answer them about. No help, left for dead. I said in the beginning, in order for us to recover what God has promised us, we must see the need of this generation. The prophet Joel gave that powerful prophecy. He says that I will restore the years that the canker worm, that the palmer worm, that the caterpillar, that the locust has taken. And I will give it back to you. Then he follows it up with the prophecy to this generation. In the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. I will restore unto you what the enemy has given i will give you back that generation if you will open up your eyes and see that i'm calling you into the harvest field if you will open up your eyes and see that there is a need all around you if you will open up your eyes and hear the cry that comes into the cry of the father when he hears a dying world like israel and egypt who are crying out by reason of their taskmaster but he said i have heard their cry and i am come down and i'm gonna send the deliverance God the Father is about to send the deliverer. God the Father is about to send his son. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I hear the sound. Oh, as Gabriel sounds the call, he's going to tell his son, son, go get your children. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Boy, the devil's been lying to me all week. But we just took this camp meeting back. Hallelujah. He's been lying to all of us. He's a liar and the father of it. 
Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Come on, praise him in the house. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that they gave this young man some food, some fruit. They gave him some revelation. Let me tell you something. The generation of today is not looking for just the common bread. They're looking for the deeper things of God. They've been unsatisfied for too long. And the Bible says when they gave him to eat of all that they gave him to eat and to drink, it says his spirit woke up. His spirit revived. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you give people Jesus. That's what happens when you take people to our heavenly David. He gives life. Hallelujah. The people of the generation are waiting. What did the woman at Jacob's well say to Jesus? She says, I know that the Messiah is coming, who they call the Christ. I know he's coming. This generation senses something in their spirit, and they want to be filled with it. They want to be filled with something better, with something greater. Jesus said unto her, the one who stands before you, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one you're seeking. Let's give this generation Jesus. Let's give them Jesus. That Jesus Christ saves. That Jesus Christ heals. That Jesus Christ baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And that Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. David said, let me, he says, young man, tell me, where are these Amalekites? We got some Amalekites inside the church. They don't want nothing to do with us. But we're coming. Because we've seen the hurt of the people. We've seen the hunger and the thirst of the people. That young man said, David, I'll tell you where they're at. Just promise me that you won't deliver me back to them. There's a generation that doesn't want to go back. They don't want to go back to those old systems. My brother, who's a cop in Oakland, California, who every month it seems like he's dealing with the protests, <laughs> it's a scary thing. I speak to him with tears in his eyes as he's speaking to me. He told me, Fernando said, brother, he says, my generation is dying. I see it on the streets every day. I see the abuse of parents to their children and children to their parents. I've seen it all. I've seen things you would not believe. He said, we're like, we're like the book of Judges. 
We're a generation that looks to the past. Isn't that what's happening with the church? We're always looking back to the past moves of God but have no future. And we reminisce on those times and there's no future. The truth is, there is. We are that future. He says, just don't, don't turn me back to them. I'll show you where they're at. That's, that's David. That's David. Jeremiah, you get on the piano. At his worst time, the worst time in David's life, He still has the strength, the heart to show grace and mercy to this young man. It reminds me of the story of uh, blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is on his way to the cross to face his passion, which would be the worst day in his life. He said he, he was focused on going to Jerusalem where he would become sin for us. Where he would drink of that bitter cup, where he would drink of the sins that beset us and become it for us. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. But even on his way to the cross, blind Bartimaeus is sitting by the, by the highway side begging, and he hears about Jesus. He hears the people calling his name, and he, he's probably heard stories about him. He's probably heard how he healed the lame and how he healed the leopard and healed blinded eyes. And, and he's there thinking that he, would, he won't notice him, so he... He begins to think. He probably goes back to his early years when he was a child. And begins to go over the story of David. <laughs> and how Dave, God would show David great mercy. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. The Bible says that Jesus was walking and he stood still. Stood still when he heard that cry. I often wonder what he thought when he heard that. Maybe David crossed his mind. And he remembered how David would sing to him and worship him. And how when David fell and messed everything up, how David would cry out to God for mercy. Because of the multitudes of your mercies, David would say, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And Jesus probably thought, if I showed 
mercy to David. I can surely show mercy to this man. And the Bible says that they brought blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that he recovered his sight. I don't know what you have need of today. You may stand up. I don't care how bad the situation is, God. You feel like your nest is being shaken. It was said yesterday and the day before. Everything that needs to be shaken will be shaken. What would the righteous do when the foundations are shaken? The Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart today. If you have a need, I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front. You can recover all today. You can recover all today. You have a son or a daughter that's lost, recover today. You have a marriage that's in the rocks, that's in shambles, recover today. We have a community, a community that's dependent upon your intercession and your faith. Believe for your community like you've never believed before. And you will see a great harvest being reaped in these last days. So when you do go to meet Jesus, you don't have to come empty-handed. The devil's met, he says, I've stolen your joy, I've stolen your anointing. No, he hasn't. The gifts are without repentance. God loves you. Just lift up your hands in this place right here. Father, we just want to thank you for your word today. Lord, we love you. <laughs> You're our heavenly David. We can come to you, Lord, when we have need. Oh, Lord, you know all things before we can even ask, oh, God. Fill my heart, Lord. Fill my heart. I lift it up to you. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, give me till I want no more. Satisfy us, Lord. Satisfy us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.